Hello, listeners. This is Changing Narratives, Renewed Beginnings. I'm the host, Emily Osgood, and for the past couple months, I've been uncovering real-life stories from domestic violence and sexual assault victims in an attempt to change the current cultural narrative. I hope to put an end to victim blaming and the silencing of victims once and for all. Here's my conversation with Mary, a victim advocate in the Slow County DA's office. I interned with her a year or so back, so we were already chatting and laughing before I even began recording. She's the sweetest, kindest soul you'll ever meet and has dedicated her entire life just to helping others. My name is Mary Dastian. Um, I've been working with the district attorney victim witness office for 17 years. I started out working with the Victims of Crime program. I worked there for about four years, and then it kind of morphed into doing advocate work, victims advocate work. Mm -hmm. So I work with victims of crime, and I just um, offer services, explain the the whole criminal justice process, because it's very daunting to people when they're um, in the midst of being a victim of a crime. We do have a lot of sexual assault victims and domestic violence victims um, of college age uh, Mm -hmm. young women, and... I see these victims as not wanting to really become involved in the criminal justice system. Yeah. They'd rather not have their names involved. They'd rather not have any type of order. They they just want to forget the whole thing. And I respect, if they're a sexual assault victim, I respect that. Yeah. If they're a domestic violence victim, I always advocate that they seek services, mm-hmm. uh, mainly some counseling, because that's really going to help them through the whole process. Yeah. But I have to respect them that if they don't want to be a part of the criminal process, um, I respect that. Why do you think they don't want to be a part of it? <laughs> no, it's a hard question. <laughs> um, sometimes I see that it's in domestic violence cases, it's somebody that they know. It's yeah. their boyfriend. It's um, someone they've started dating, and they just they don't they don't want to they they don't want to make a big deal out of it. They yeah. don't want to Im, um, impose any sanctions or a criminal case against mm-hmm. somebody. Have them you know come to court and go through the whole process. Yeah. They don't they don't want to put that on somebody that burden on somebody else when that burden has already been put on them as a victim. And, yeah. Um, I just don't see that as, as being fair to the victim, but um, I understand why they do that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So why do you think that it's important that we have these third parties, like victim witness and um, just like safer and those other types of things to help with these victims? I think they're outlets. There are ways of um, people talking to an individual, maybe getting a different perspective, um, especially when it comes to domestic violence. It's um, There's a cycle of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't realize that you're getting into the same kind of relationships time after mm-hmm. time, then it's going to keep on happening. And pretty soon you're going to be in a relationship, you're going to have kids with this individual, and then the violence will trickle down to the children. Yeah. And that's we don't ever want that to happen. People don't realize that in domestic violence cases that the children feel the effects of the situation oh, yeah. a lot worse than the mom if she's got a black eye or if she's yeah. been injured. The children suffer just as much yeah. because we realize that it's been happening for a long time. Yeah. The kids have been hearing the arguing. They probably have been seeing dad, you know, 
do or mom, you know, hit dad, because that happens a lot too. Mm-hmm. We have female defendants just as much as we have uh, the male. But the majority of the time, it is a male who's assaulting a woman. So, mm-hmm. um, But children are the ones that are the affected the most, and that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. So what would you want to, like, in the case that someone was listening to this podcast that was in a domestic violence um, relationship, what would you want to tell them if you could tell them anything? I know that's hard, too. Don't deny that it happened. Yeah. Um, If something happened, then you can't just hide and pretend like it didn't. It's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And unless you do something about it, um, that individual... I mean, you may want not want any prosecution against that individual, but the fact is he's going to go out and do the same thing again to somebody else. Yeah. And we're trying to inspire people, empower women, mm-hmm. so that the violence stops, so that they realize that um, they can get help, they can get the services. They, there's tons of resources out there for women to get help, just mm-hmm. like Safer, Stand Strong, Rise, um, our office. Yeah. There's tons of people out there ready and willing to help them. They just have to reach out, call, um, make contact with our offices, and we'll, pay, we'll help them yeah. any way we can. But it's not going to go away, and we don't want to keep that happening to other individuals. Cause yeah. Unless you realize that something's wrong in your relationship, it's going to keep on happening. Mm-hmm. That's true. You want to keep women safe. Yeah. And our this office and all those they're so welcoming and like so helpful that's Absolutely. what they're there for so I think they are awesome. they're great they're really great cool okay so um i'll just shift the focus kind of to you how did you get started in this field of helping victims <laughs> well i um i first started out at probation and my main focus was to get my degree and mm-hmm. become a teacher but oh Circumstances led me to the DA's mm-hmm. office, and I just realized that victim witness, what they were doing, it was more of a service to other people, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm all about. That's what my parents yeah. taught me, you, you know, always take care of other people that are in, in need. Um, so I felt that there was a calling for me to get into this line of work. When I was working with the victim compensation program, yeah. Um, I was always accused by my supervisor of doing too much. You're doing too much work for the victims. And I, I kind of looked at her and I said, how could you do too much? Yeah. That's ridiculous. So um, I started doing a lot of, because uh, I'm Spanish speaking, and mm-hmm. a lot of our population is um, Spanish speaking. I kind of had to fight to become a bilingual advocate because oh, really? um, the guy who interviewed me, um, someone who was an assistant DA oh. didn't think that there was a need for a bilingual advocate in our office. And huh. I, I said, I'd beg to differ with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I said, there's a big need. Yeah, You definitely. really don't understand it. Um, how could you expect women, um, Spanish-speaking women, to contact our office yeah. if there's no one for them to talk to? Um, how are you going to have them cooperate with our office and our prosecution if there's no one to talk to them? Yeah. And let them understand that they're not in any trouble. We are there to help them, mm-hmm. but also to prosecute the perpetrator. Yeah. So I kind of fought for that, and I finally got on as an advocate, and the rest is just kind of history. I've, I've awesome. enjoyed it. It's hard. It's yeah. um, emotionally draining. Um, and a lot of times we take it home with us, mm-hmm. but, but I don't think I ever want to do anything else. I've been doing 
long That's time, awesome. and I really get a lot of gratification out of it. Yeah. Especially if I go to a store, and this is, happens to me a lot. I'll go out into um, shopping or into a restaurant, and someone will come up to me and say, "Hey, Mary, how are you doing?" Oh no way! And, um, <laughs> and they'll say, "You know, you told me to." break off this relationship, I did, and it was the best decision Aww. I've ever made. I hear that all the time. That's awesome. Uh, it's just great to hear that. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so you mentioned how it's, like, obviously really emotionally draining and it's really hard. Um, so I was going to ask you, well, what are some specific roadblocks that you think you face and then maybe sort of, like, what you think the victims face through this process? I think the <laughs> main thing that I experience and... Our victims' experience is a lot of times they don't get the outcome that they deserve. Yeah, we that's go true. through the whole process of having a trial, and um, it doesn't come out the way that we wanted to. Um, to me, justice isn't served. Yeah, and it it makes me feel horrible, and I know that they're probably they feeling, put in all that effort to like just start the whole process. Yes, they the they stepped process. out of their comfort zone yeah. to report it to come to court, to testify, and, you know, a lot of times I see in domestic violence, sexual assault cases, defense attorneys are mm-hmm. brutal. Yeah. They're brutal with us. They, they vilify our victims. They vilify law enforcement, and a lot of times they, I mean, this is my opinion. But <laughs> no, yeah, of course. They, they, <laughs> I've heard, I've seen it in court, too. Oh, yeah. they, they blame the victim. They prey on mm-hmm. the jurors' biases and prejudices. Yeah. And they complicate issues that they shouldn't. And it ends up looking badly on Yeah, you think it's such a simple... Victim. I know. You think it would be so simple. But I see... I mean, they misrepresent the truth. And our victims are the ones that suffer. And when we lose a case like that, it, it just... It really kills me. I, I feel it. I really yeah, do feel it. And then the victims are like, what happened? And then you have to do kind of talk to them after the fact, right. too. And then sometimes we make the decision whether we are going to refile the case. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we do. Do you and need more You need more evidence or no? Well, we not that we need more evidence. We could try to, to get file a case. We don't need more evidence, oh. but we could just... Um, we have gained some information from how we prosecuted the first time, mm-hmm. so we can use that to in our second attempt to, to file. Is there the a case limit on how many attempts you can do? I, I think we would probably. It's really up to management <laughs> in our office to decide that. Yeah, but we usually t- refile. We'll try it again, and then we'll see how. Yeah, so like twice probably. Twice yeah, probably it, but um, makes sense. Yeah, but in that in, when that happens though, is that the victim is. She has to go through the same thing, yeah. usually with the same defense attorney and the same, you know, the defendant is, defendant is there in the in the courtroom, and she has to be almost re-victimized because yeah. she has to talk about it all over again, and that's hard to put people yeah. through that. So we always talk to them ahead of time, ask mm-hmm. them, are you really sure you want to go through this? Because we're willing to do it if you are. Yeah. And um, usually they are. They, they, want, they want some justice, yeah. too. Want <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, the criminal justice system is not perfect. It's yeah. the best system out there, as far as, but it's not perfect. And, yeah. You know, they, defense attorneys know how to work it, and um, yeah. we try to do the best we can, <laughs> but... Yeah. 
Um, okay, so what do you think, I don't know if you would be able to answer this, but, like, maybe just some common misconceptions that people have about victims, you know, of domestic violence and sexual you know, assault. Talking to jurors after, because oh, yeah. they have an opportunity to do that to get um, some in victim witness or just the DA's office in general. Well, we can talk to, like for instance, after a trial, we can talk to some of the jurors to see how they felt about the case. Yeah, and uh, we can learn a lot. Either they didn't think that the victim was emotional enough, or I oh, think really? from what I hear from jurors and a lot of people in our community is that. They feel that if someone's a victim, they put themselves in that position. Really? You yeah. think the jurors feel that way? I, I, oh, wow. sometimes I, I've, I've heard that, and yeah. sometimes I feel that. Yes. Yeah. That nothing's ever happened to them. Um, a lot of our jurors feel that um, maybe that individual, that uh, victim, put herself in a position where she victimized and I don't think that's fair for them to yeah. um, assume anything like that but I feel that when we talk to them that's how they feel yeah that's a hard it's like obviously there's bad people out there and you need to protect yourself to an extent but it's not like if something bad happens to you it's your fault right so that's we hard a, you know we had a case where a gal was uh, and this happened <coughs> a few years back she mm-hmm. was a uh, um, a murder victim. It was a domestic violence case. Oh, wow. And she had never reported any domestic violence mm-hmm. with her estranged husband. And he ended up uh, being involved in her life again. She felt sorry for him, let him come live in the home. Mm-hmm. And then one night he murdered her while wow. her two children, her two young yeah. boys, were in the home. And just talking to her family, um, to her sister, found out that there was just a lot of domestic violence and a lot of abuse going on. That just never went reported. That never yeah. went reported. And I just yeah. wish, because this was a 26-year-old, beautiful young yeah. woman who That's lost her sad. life. And I just wish somebody would have told her or she would have gotten the message from somebody that yeah. you, can, you can report it, you can get help, yeah. you can get out of that situation. Um, Especially if people were seeing it. I mean... I guess it's hard to, they don't necessarily want to intervene, right? but right. that's I mean, hard. you can't force someone to do yeah. that, but um, it's just so unfortunate that she lost her life because of it. Yeah. Um, that was a really hard, hard case to get yeah, involved with. Imagine. But, I mean, we see so many other cases where women just go on with the abuse for just years. We had a gal who was constantly getting stabbed in her arms oh and her gosh. legs any time that she oh my did gosh. something that the defendant uh, perpetrator didn't like. He would just strike out and uh, either with keys oh, in wow. his hands or with a pocket knife, he'd just scratch her all over. And she, Aww. by the time we got to her and encouraged her to leave him, mm-hmm. um, help us with our case against him, she had scars all over her arms all over her legs she would wear long sleeves to hide them but um it's funny after she testified she'd come in with the short sleeves like she like she had finally exposed what had happened and then she was okay yeah she felt comfortable just getting yeah letting it all show but um very strong woman she now is working in um 
a therapist's office. She's awesome. got a great job. She's going back to school. She's doing great. And it's just nice to hear those success stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you see them go through this trauma <clears throat> crisis and then they, it's wonderful. That's awesome. the part that's really gratifying yeah. about this job is to see them just emerge as uh, this new and new person. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Do you, I don't know if you know, like, the legal process at all, but do you think there's any, like, roadblocks there that make it hard for victims no that's like i don't know if that's necessarily your field but legally um like i know there's certain things they have to prove and things that like make it hard for them to get the justice in the end well the hard part is in sexual assault cases domestic violence cases Mm -hmm. it's usually the victim and the perpetrator there's not usually uh, someone who's going to witness it, yeah. Unless it's a child, and usually we don't want to get children involved. Yeah. But um, those are <clears throat> he point. said, she said kind yeah. of um, crimes, and those are so hard to prove. It's especially yeah. our um, sexual assault rape cases. Um, there is no um, evidence sometimes because when someone's raped, they don't want to just go out and call somebody or report yeah. it immediately, and they're in shock, they're in trauma. Yeah. You sh- sometimes um, they'll wait a few days before they tell somebody or report it, and by that yeah. time, all the evidence is gone. Mm-hmm. But And those are the hardest ones that yeah. legally we... Because our office files cases because they have a legal um, obligation to be able to prove it beyond mm-hmm. a reasonable doubt in order to file on that case. Yeah. So on a lot of those cases, we don't have that. So you don't end up filing. So we don't end up filing those, even though we tell them. We believe what happened. Yeah. It's just that, you know, our office, our um, DA filing deputy doesn't have the evidence. Yeah, that's hard. They don't have a witness. They don't have the the physical evidence that they need to file. So those those are the really tough ones, too. So you'd say, like, the resources out there just for them is like counseling, looking at all the the you wide should, range of options. Yes, besides that legal, time, they have communicated with Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have an advocate. Um, they can get some temporary counseling through Rise, and then we can offer. Even though we don't file on those cases, we can still offer them yeah. counseling through the Victim Comp Program, um, awesome. and just let them know that even though you reported it. It's on file. Mm-hmm. If something else comes up against that perpetrator, they can actually resurrect that case and potentially use, use that case yeah, as, a, cool. as evidence of kind of a pattern. So it's yeah. not that you've done it in vain. It's yeah. just that we can <laughs> now, but I know that's um, a consolation kind of for some people. But yeah. At least it's something. Yeah, definitely. Something positive that can come out of it. That's cool. Was there anything yeah. else like you wanted to share? Anything? projects or anything you're working on or just anything else you want to you know um (laughs) not really i we're just really busy um helping people (laughs) helping people Um, all day long yeah it's neat that what's really great about this job is that so many people we have this network of Mm -hmm. agencies and organizations just like rise stand strong safer at the colleges and um we have Capslow, so many people that are out there and just willing to help. We mm-hmm. go, I go to um, interagency meetings where we keep in touch. We talk about 
you know, certain issues that are going on in our office and, you know, good things that are coming out of our office. Yeah. And, um, you know, we just keep in touch with each other. And if I bring something up and I say, I've got this victim, she needs this kind of help, there's always two or three people that say, hey, you know, we got, our agency can help out yeah. with this person or that or it's, it's, that's, that's awesome. what's great about yeah. this little town that we live in. We've got Definitely. a great bunch of people that are out there just doing the the work. Um, on the front lines, we have the um, the resource centers and the family advocates there. We get a lot of input from the schools if there's trauma going on in a mm-hmm. home and they realize that, then they call our office and we can oh, kind of encourage cool. people you need to report it. Yeah, uh, here's what you need to do. So I think the networking that we have in our small little community is it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. a lot of great people out there doing <laughs> great work. Well, thank you. All right.